Hi, this is filmmaker and author Michael Morin. Whenever I'm not riding my bike around the Davis campus, I'm listening to 90.3 KDVS College Radio right here. FM. Cool. This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. We, of course, are part of the public affairs broadcasting that takes place here on KDVS. And uh, we'd like to remind you that we're going to have some interesting guests on this and other programs in the weeks to come. On this program, we're expecting to have Ambassador Joseph Wilson return to the program as the controversy continues to uh, boil and swirl around the matter of his wife, Valerie Plame, having been outed by the Bush administration in retaliation for the ambassador blowing the whistle, revealing that... Yes, they knew there was no uranium coming from Niger because the ambassador himself went to Africa to investigate. We hope to have presidential candidate Dennis Kucinich return to the program. And coming to the program for the first time in the coming month, we hope to have General Chuck Yeager, probably the most famous pilot in the world, to come to talk about the 100th anniversary of flight, as well as author and former district attorney and former mayor of Beverly Hills, Robert Tannenbaum, to talk about, uh, well, I'm not sure what we're going to have Tannenbaum talk about. He says, you can talk to me about anything, and we probably will have a wide-ranging discussion. Lou Cannon. Mr. Cannon was the White House correspondent for the Washington Post for many years, actually covering the, uh, the range from President Nixon through Ford, Carter, into the Reagan years. We also expect to have Dr. Bruce Betts return to the program. Uh, Dr. Betts, of course, will be um, talking about the Mars landers. You know, this is a very bra- interesting uh, story that's going on from Jet Propulsion Laboratory and the planet Mars as efforts go on to have this lunar rover move about and take pictures. We also are optimistic that Dr. Bruce Murray, who actually ran Jet, Jet Propulsion Laboratory in the past and is also one of the co-founders of the Planetary Society, come on and say a few words, along with Professor William Hartman, whose book, The uh, Traveler's Guide to Mars, is a fascinating read. Stay tuned for that. And, uh, you know, when we were down there at Pasadena, we met someone from Cornell University who promises me that in March she can deliver on having Dr. Hans Bethe on the program. The 97-year-old uh, professor emeritus at Cornell University is the man who discovered, or basically figured out, how the sun works. Yes, it, it, he, in 1931, I believe it is, discovered uh, the, basically the processes of nuclear fusion going on in the sun, which um, prior to that had not been understood. We would love to have a distinguished guest like uh, Professor Beta on the show. And by gosh, if we have to travel to um, Ithaca, New York to make that happen, we are prepared to do it. This is really a tantalizing prospect that at 97, Professor Beta still uh, is quite lucid. He still delivers lectures. Hearing from the lips, the person that directed the theoretical operations at Los Alamos when they developed for the Manhattan Project the first atomic bomb, well, I, I'm sure he has a lot uh, of interesting 
stories to tell. We would like to also plug Franz's show, which comes to you 8.30 every Monday. Uh, Franz will have on this coming Monday Michael K. Smith to discuss The Madness of King George. Um, I'm not sure whether that's book or movie or both, but it is a very interesting movie. It's a very interesting story about King George III and an illness he had, uh, which is believed by medical sleuths to, in retrospect, to have, to have been porphyria. Um, I assume that's what Franz is going to be talking about. You know, I wonder if that's a play on words on the current Bush administration. I don't know. But it'll be compelling listening. So let's, let's tune in, shall we? Tomorrow on Speaking in Tongues, Ron Glick will be interviewing Professor Neil Henry of the UC Berkeley School of Journalism, who's discussing racism in Davis today which I think is probably going to be a fairly short interview. I, I don't know. Uh, Davis is one of the least racist communities I've ever lived in. But uh, I'm sure that the professor will have um, some interesting things to say. The Berkeley School of Journalism is very well respected. And one last thing. I hope on next week's program we may have on John Buchanan. We're planning to anyway. He is um, running against George Bush on the Republican side of things in New Hampshire. Now, uh, we, we like to pride ourselves in having a democracy, but of course, uh, if you haven't noticed, when it comes election time, uh, the parties in power never seem to want to run anyone against the incumbent. And so, uh, obviously, the Republicans don't want to see anyone run against George W. Bush. And Mr. Buchanan is upset in the apple cart. We, we like guys like that, and we're going to hopefully bring him to you next week. All right, on today's program, we are going to run through the ongoing pile of materials that have built up over the years. I've decided to put my disorderly house in order and go through all the files that we amassed to bring you some um, uh, the radio programming that we do bring to you every Thursday. And uh, my God, I can't believe what emerged from my own uh, household archaeology here. So let's just go through, perhaps for the next hour straight, some of the things I've dug up, very amusing stuff, very informative stuff, and uh, just, you know, shotgun this. All right, story from Florida. Apparently, a Florida man purchased 240 acres of land for a Christian nudist colony. It features a church and classes in family building and strengthening the marriage. <laughs> According to this, uh, this person, David Blood, quote, when people are right with God, they do not have to fear nudity. All right, from the Week magazine. Apparently, inmates at an Oklahoma prison staged a hunger strike to protest a new healthy heart menu that substituted turkey for beef in dishes such as meatloaf. Prisoners said they'd rather starve than eat turkey loaf. Well, I have no problem with that. And also from the current issue of the Week magazine, apparently New York City has officially renamed the Pitbull in an attempt to improve the dog's image as a vicious killer. The City Animal Care and Control Department will now call the animals New Yorkies. I'm just reading the copy. New Yorkies. Director Ed Bach said the name was appropriate because Pitbulls and human residents of New York were both unfairly viewed as belligerent. In fact, he said, New Yorkers are actually some of the most generous and open-hearted people I've ever met. All right, here's one from the San Francisco Chronicle. 
Uh, it was a letter in the real estate section. According to Tim Cannon of Berkeley Home Real Estate, the story that aired in the week, the previous week insulted real estate professionals. According to Mr. Cannon, quote, In my 25 years in the real estate business, I can hardly remember a more offensive and patently insulting article toward the real estate community. Go away, it's not for sale, January 4th. It's not news, it's not opinion, it's a slap in the face from start to finish. Words used to describe us include wolves, bottom feeders, plague, agents and their sidekicks, unscrupulous, pay you half its worth, and flip it, etc. And these people, quote, creep you out, unquote. How responsible is it to call this, quote, reporting, unquote? Well, Mr. Cannon, I would ask you, do you know the difference between a real estate agent and a carp? One is a scum-sucking bottom dweller, while the other is a fish. All right, also in the letter department, our friends of the News and Review had to respond to an email from Mr. Paul Knopp in response to Melinda Welsh's article, the cover story of December 4th, about uh, Cuba. Quote, Melinda Welsh writes that Castro threw 75 dissidents in prison with seemingly little provocation. I'm sorry to say that these people broke laws. They were meeting with CIA agents in hotel rooms, hatching plots against a fairly elected government, and the laws were in place prior to their voluntary actions. Hmm. Fidel Castro and fairly elected government? Those two phrases don't seem to go together. Now, I have to admit, I have been to Cuba. I've been to Cuba several times. I may go back to Cuba. I, I'm kind of fed up with the fact the Bush administration is telling me that I can't do it as part of its whole uh, supposed crackdown on terrorism. I don't recall any Cubans being involved in those airplanes that crashed into the towers, so I'm not sure why Cuba has to be... Actually, I'm quite sure why Cuba has to be cracked down upon. The Miami anti-Castro Cuban community is solidly Republican, and they are needed. If you need to take those 25 electoral votes and put them in the Republican column, come November. You know, I should point out, too, the Cuban embargo was put in place by... John Fitzgerald Kennedy, in effort to bring down Fidel Castro. Fidel Castro has now outlasted Kennedy, Johnson, Nixon, Ford, Carter, Reagan, the first George Bush, Bill Clinton, and probably will outlast George W. So, do you think the embargo just needs a little more time to bite? Uh, what do you think? <laughs> All right, the News and Review also had a piece that I loved here. It was a quiz, a quiz for January. I don't know whether you saw this. I think that uh, this was inspired. Question number four on their January quiz was, four of these headlines appeared in the satirical weekly The Onion. Which one appeared in a U.S. newspaper? All right, one of these is legit. The others are not. A, Bush re-election campaign creates thousands of new jobs. <laughs> B, Bush diagnosed with attention to deficit disorder. C, Bush bravely leads 3rd Infantry into battle. D, latest leak, Bush orders an end to leaks. Or E, Bush asks Congress for $30 billion to help fight war on criticism. The correct answer is D, latest leak, Bush orders an end to leaks, 
is a legitimate headline that appeared in U.S. papers. Now, during his State of the State speech, Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, our new governor, apparently said that uh, he went off script and said that um, he's a natural salesman and, uh, quote, if I can sell tickets to my movies like Red Sonja or Last Action Hero, you know, I can sell just about anything. (laughs) Well, let's hope not, because as I recall, Last Action Hero was a spectacular failure at the box office, and Red Sonja didn't do too well either. So, um, hmm, let's hope his salesmanship has gotten better. All right, headline from the Sacramento Bee. Audit reveals fraud in audits. According to Larry McGansk with Associated Press, the Pentagon auditors spent 1,139 hours altering their own files in order to pass an internal review. Investigators found out that the accounting sleuths engaged in just the kind of wasteful activity they're supposed to expose. It was noted that the fabrication at the Defense Contract Audit Agency quote, certainly violates the spirit and intent, unquote, of government auditing standards and rules on ethical conduct. This is the defense agency which audits government contracts, uh, the one that recently reported that Vice President Dick Cheney's former company, Halliburton, may have overcharged the Army as much as $61 million for gasoline in Iraq. In other um, uh, less than comforting news, Uh, Apparently, the Federal Transportation Security Administration last year dropped a requirement that marshals passed a marksmanship test in its haste to hire 5,000 air marshals. Apparently, some applicants were hired even after they repeatedly shot flight attendants in mock hijacking exercises. All right, and continuing on with our shotgunning today... Uh, Here's one I dug out that had been buried in the files for years. This was uh, from the late Reagan administration, (laughs) titled, What He Didn't Know and When He Didn't Know It. For you younger listeners, I should point out this was a classic line from Watergate. Howard Baker at one point asked, um, you know, the central issue uh, swirling around Nixon at that time was, did he know about this burglary? So what did he know and when did he know it is what they're playing off here. Now, currently, uh, former Treasury Secretary Paul O'Neill is talking about the um, the Bush administration as being uh, a little bit chaotic, with Bush being a little disengaged. People are comparing George W. Bush to Ronald Reagan, whose treasures, whose own Treasury Secretary Donald Reagan, uh, in his biography, pointed out was amazingly disengaged from cabinet meetings. Apparently, Reagan actually fell asleep on occasion during the meetings of his own cabinet. All right, some uh, oldies but goodies from the Reagan era. Reagan had a hard time remembering some things. That's pretty much acknowledged by everyone. Apparently, he couldn't remember what his only black cabinet member looked like. When he saw Sam Pierce, his Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, at a meeting of big city mayors, he greeted him with, How are you, Mr. Mayor? I'm glad to meet you. How are things in your city? The response of silent Sam Pierce, noted for sitting through cabinet meetings and never saying a word, was not recorded for posterity. In discussing his efforts to overthrow the Sandinista government of Nicaragua, Reagan announced he'd 
Just had a verbal message delivered to me from Pope John Paul, urging us to continue in our efforts in Central America. The Pope issued a statement denying he'd ever sent any such message. Uh, Reagan said about South Africa, this, I would remind you, is in 1985, okay, when uh, it was still very much an apartheid situation and the white government controlling the nation. Reagan said that in South Africa, they, quote, have eliminated the segregation that we once had in our own country, the type of thing where hotels and restaurants and places of entertainment and so forth were segregated. That has all been eliminated. Uh, well, no. They had actually, they'd actually gone a fair way toward eliminating a lot of it, but it was, it was still around in 1985. Reagan said that a three-month fetus, quote, have lived to, the record shows, to grow up to be normal human beings, unquote. Of course, a three-month fetus is about 12 weeks of age, which is about, uh, about half of what it needs to uh, have to survive outside the womb. Uh, Reagan was confused about the Russian language. He said at one point, I've been told that in the Russian language there isn't even a word for freedom. Uh, for the record, the Russian word for freedom is Svoboda. In 82, Reagan told pupils at an Illinois school about a British law under which anyone carrying a gun while committing a crime was automatically tried for murder whether he used the gun or not. When it was pointed out that Britain has never had such a law, Reagan's spokesman said, well, it's a good story, though. In 1986, in an interview with the New York Times, the president told the same story again. Reagan made a trip to Germany at one point. He explained a decision to not visit Nazi concentration camps, claiming that there were very few living Germans who even remember the war, quote, and certainly none of them who were adults and participated in any way, unquote. Actually, there were millions of such Germans in 1985. And finally... Reagan said in May of 1982, regarding submarine-launched nuclear missiles, they can be recalled. Um, actually, they cannot. You should remember that this was the man who had his finger on the nuclear trigger. Only trouble is, gee whiz, I'm dreaming my life away. My God, we are, we are running out of time. All right, final story of the uh, first segment here. Apparently, a friend of singer Peebo Bryson stepped in to help the singer keep at least one of his Grammys. Uh, Bryson's Grammy Awards for Beauty and the Beast and A Whole New World were auctioned over the weekend to help pay his $1.2 million tax debt. A woman who cast the winning $9,000 bid for one of the Grammys called herself and her associate, quote, very close friends of the family, unquote, were giving it back to him, she said. Well, I hope Peebo gets back to work uh, getting more Grammys because at $9,000 a pop, that's not going to go very far to covering a $1.2 million tax bill. But uh, I nevertheless do love this song, although my sound engineer is about ready to kill me. Anyway, you're listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. This is KDVS. 90.3 FM, Davis, Sacramento, and stay tuned for some more fun and games and more shotgunning in segment number two. Let your heart decide. I can open your eyes.
sideways and under on 